I've got about a 60-minute sermon, and we're going to squeeze in to about 20 minutes. So I'm going to ask you to hang on tight, and I'm probably going to talk fast. If you want my notes, I'd be happy to send them to you. But let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer as we begin. Dear Lord, we're thankful for those serving across the globe. We think specifically this morning of John and Hannah, their family, as they... Um, and what a what a life they live. They they've chosen that life to spread your gospel, your light to their their people there on the island. I thank you for the report we have, the willingness of people to use their gifts to serve the church. Lord, I pray now as we open up your word that you would help help enlighten our minds and hearts, that we would take uh, your truth, that we would not only hear it, but that we would uh, know it, take it in, and then also apply it. Lord, uh, bless our time together as we open your word. We pray in your name. Amen. Continuing this series, uh, Next Steps, and we're walking through four essential engagements that we believe everyone at the chapel should be participating in as we're pursuing Christ's mission for the church, and that's to make disciples. And so, so far, if you haven't been with us, the first week we looked at Grow, and just the first two verses of Romans chapter 12, and we learned that the renewing of our mind comes through transformation brought only by the Word of God. And then last week we considered Connect, where we talked about the necessity to belong to a church. And it's not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of the whole body, the whole church. And so this morning we're going to focus on serve, where we have, uh, where we'll find that we have been uniquely equipped by the Spirit to serve the church. And so our text this morning is Romans chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 6 through 13. And, and I'm going to ask you just to focus on two keys to serving in the church. And the first key to serving our church is to serve with your spiritual gifting. To serve with your spiritual gifting. Now the first step to serving with your spiritual gifting is to know your gift. Romans 12:6 begins, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Paul says you've got it. You have it. You have a gift. And he's addressing believers. So if you're a believer in Jesus this morning, if you place your faith in him, I can say with confidence that you have been given a gift by the Holy Spirit. He says it here in Romans 12. He says it again in, in slightly different words in 1 Corinthians 12:7. He says to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. For the common good. And so what this means is that everyone has a gift. And that also means that you have a specific purpose. That God has a purpose for you in accomplishing his mission in this church and in the world. And so once we realize that we have a gift, we need to understand what they are. So to put it simply, a spiritual gift to define the term, is, is a special ability given by the Holy Spirit in the service of His church. This is different from natural talents. Uh, you can be a, not be a believer and be very talented. This is a special gifting of the Spirit for the church. And this isn't the fruit of the Spirit. That speaks to our character as we mature in Christ. But this is a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer in the service of his church. And so as Paul continues here, he lists seven specific gifts. And here are the seven gifts that he, that he lists in the next 
few verses, verses 6 through 8. He lists prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. But here isn't the only place where we find lists of spiritual gifts. We have it here. We have it in 1 Corinthians 12. We have it in Ephesians 4. Uh, some other places. 1 Peter 4, I think. Um, and, and most commentators, they kind of vary anywhere from 13 to 27. But the most common number is around 20 to 22. And here are some of the other gifts. And we're not going to take the time to go through or explain the spiritual gifts. Uh, that's a great study. I encourage you to do it. That's not our purpose here this morning. Because at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters what's on this list. And what I mean by that is I don't think these this list or these various lists are exhaustive of all the possible spiritual gifts. Every time a list shows up of spiritual gifts in Scripture, it's different. And I think what that tells us is Paul is just trying to give us some illustrations. He's saying this is what the working of the Spirit looks like in the life of the believer. This is how the gifts are expressed in individuals. And so just as we talked about last week where every member of the church is part of the body, they're unique and they're needed, I would say the same thing about spiritual gifts. They're a gift of grace. And just as you are unique, your gift will be unique to you. Because even if you have the same general gift as someone else, it's going to look different in how it's expressed. You have a different personality. You have different circumstances. You have different experience. And you have a different level of maturity. And so we just need to understand the basic idea is that the Spirit has gifted you as a believer. And so once we know what our gifts are, we understand what they are, I, I think the more important thing to realize is understanding what they're for. And what they're for is not for you as an individual. I won't read the, this passage here just for the sake of time, but Ephesians 4 goes through and he, here's another one of these lists of spiritual gifts. And here's some of the key words in, the, in these passages that talks about the purpose of spiritual gifts. He says, we're given spiritual gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body so that we might obtain the unity of the faith, so that we might have the knowledge of the Son of God, so that we might grow, so that we uh, might come together, that we would be equipped, that we would work and function properly, so that our body would grow and that we would be built up in love. And all of that is to say that the spiritual gifts aren't given for the individual. They're given for the benefit of the body, and that's the church. And so as we know that every believer has a spiritual gift, and as we understand what they're for, the edification, the building up of the body, that should lead us to the next thought, which is we ought to discover our gift. And you might be sitting there confused because you're saying, well, I know I'm a believer. I've placed my faith in Christ. I consider myself a Christian. But hey, I, I'm not gifted. I don't have any talents. I, there's nothing special about me when it comes to church. And what I would encourage you to do is, is to go on a journey, to go on a search, to discover just what your gift is. Because I think I'm right because of what the Bible says. You are gifted by the Holy Spirit. So how might you find out what your spiritual gift or gifting is? Well, number one, you need to get to know the gift giver. 
If the gifts are given by grace and they're given by the Spirit, the best thing that we can do is go deeper in our relationship with God. And as we go deeper in our relationship with God, I think we're going to get to know the heart of God more. We're going to get to know uh, what He has for us as we're more in tune with His Spirit. So you're going to want to get to know the gift giver. But you're simply also going to want to just jump in and serve. Just jump in and serve. One of the best ways to figure out what your gifting is, is trial and error. Try something. You hear a need in the church, volunteer to do it. You hear a need of someone in the room, say, hey, I'll do that. Um, Find out what you enjoy. Find out uh, what you are good at along the way. You don't have to search for a specific category or try to figure out your specific title of gift. None of that really matters. The purpose is to serve. So just jump in somewhere and start serving. And the last piece of advice I'd give you in discovering your gift is to listen to feedback. So as you serve, as you jump into new areas of service, listen to what people are saying. Um, you know, if, if I keep preaching and some people come start coming up to me after uh, the service and saying, Hey, that was a really good try this morning. Uh, you know, have you ever considered to, to, to get some tutoring from Pastor Keith? Uh, you know, the illustration you used there really, uh, I, you, you lost me there. You know, that might be an indicator that this may not be any part of my gifting. If you're serving in the nursery and someone asks you, do you even uh, like children? Uh, has anyone ever told you you have an anger problem? All right, that might be some feedback that you need to listen to. All right, Now, hopefully that's not your experience. Hopefully you start getting positive reinforcement. And, and in your area of service, people are saying, hey, you did a really great job there. Hey, I was really encouraged by this. Hey, you're the best diaper changer that I have ever seen. Like positive feedback. So take that and listen and say, hey, maybe this is an area of my uh, uh, gifting. Diaper changing is not a spiritual gift, uh, but I'm not gifted in that either. All right, so as you begin to find out your gifts, or even if you're in the middle of the process and you're in this exploration stage, there's an implication here that you're just not discovering your gift to discover your gift. You're going to find and discover your gift in order to use them. And that's literally the next words in Romans 12:6. He's given us um, uh, gifts of grace, So he says, let us use them. Implicit in the giving of gifts is that they're meant to be used. Look at how he goes on to describe um, how to use the gifts in the rest of verse 6, 7, and 8. If in prophecy in proportion to our faith, if in service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Spiritual gifts aren't just supposed to be thought about. They're supposed to be acted on. If I was to summarize this passage in a real kind of simple way, I would say what Paul is getting at is that for every gift, there is its proper use. And we should be seeking to use the gift in accordance to Scripture and how we know that God would have us serve. So how do I use my gifts? Well, it begins with understanding and remembering 
the giver of the gift, that it's by grace. So I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be reliant on God to work both in and through me. I'm going to be yielded to the Spirit. That's what we talked about in, in verses 1 and 2. We are a living sacrifice to be used by God because that's part of our spiritual worship. And then we also remember that our gifts are are given for the use of the body. So if I'm looking in terms of, well, how do I use this gift? It's always going to be expressed in terms of other people, um, the benefit of our church. So beyond knowing our gifts and, and beyond using our gifts, I think there's one more step here that we're called to do, and that's to continue to develop our gift. Paul reminds Timothy on two different occasions. He goes on positive and a negative. He says, hey, Timothy, don't neglect the gift that you have. Because maybe we have a tendency to just put it aside or, or forget that we have been given a gift for a purpose. But then he also says, hey, I'm reminding you to fan into flame the gift of God. And what that tells me is that it's going to take time and experience to develop your gifts. It tells me that we are stewards of God's grace. And as stewards, I'm responsible for their use. And so this series is called Next Steps. And not just because we have one step, two step, three steps to take, but because no matter where you are in your spiritual walk, no matter where you are in the use of your gift, there's always going to be next steps to take. And that's true, certainly, when it comes to spiritual gifts. So here's some, just a couple questions to consider when it comes to serving with our spiritual gifts. Simply, do you know what your spiritual gifts or gifts are? If not, come talk to us. We'll give you some feedback. We'll give you a place to serve. And that's the next question. Are you actively using your gifts? Are you actively jumping in and trying to figure out what your gift is in the service of the church? And if so, are you continually developing your gifts as stewards of God's grace? We begin to answer these questions. These give us some next steps no matter where we are in our journey. So knowing, using, developing our spiritual gifts is key in serving the church. But it's not the only aspect of serving in the church. Paul goes on to show us in the next few verses that we should not only be serving with our spiritual gifts, but that we should be serving with the Spirit's guidance. What I mean by that is there are some ways that we ought to be using our special gifting, but there's a whole lot of other ways of service that are just dependent not on special gifting, but just the Holy Spirit within us. When we became a Christian, we were given a new heart, the ability to desire what God wants, the ability to choose good and to do what was right. It's only possible because of the indwelling Spirit of God, and that changes how we serve. And it often looks very different from the world around us. So no matter our special gifting, all Christians are called to serve one another in response to what God has done for us. So what does that look like? In the next few verses, he tells us, number one, that if we're going to serve with the Spirit's guidance, it's going to be motivated by love. Look at verses 9 and 10. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in serving, showing honor. And so 
what we find out about love is that it's genuine. It's free of hypocrisy. We're not worried about uh, the other person over there judging or comparing. Love is genuine. We love just as Christ loved the church. It's sacrificial and it's genuine. Paul says that love is objective. It's not love as the world defines it. It's love as God defines it. We hold fast to what is good. That means we hold fast to what Scripture says. We stand by the Word of God. And that's how we love, based on what God tells us about love and about sin. We need to be honest about where we stand with God. We need to allow Him first to mold us, to shape our hearts into His image. And then He tells us that love is sincere. He says we're not just supposed to love each other with a superficial love that we come in here and smile at one another and maybe give a nod and a wave. He says, no, we actually, knowing that we actually have a connection with one another through the Spirit of God, there's some care, some real care, affection, feeling present between believers that results in the demonstration of love for one another. When he says outdo one another in showing honor, it's probably better translated give preference to one another. This is another aspect of love that we're going to put others' needs ahead of ourselves. So we're going to serve with the Spirit's guidance. We're going to be motivated by love, but we're also going to be fueled by passion. He goes on in verse 11 to tell us, Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Paul's saying, hey, if you're going to do something, you ought to do it right. And if we're talking about serving the Lord, you, you go beyond just doing it right and you do it with excitement. You do it with passion. You do it from within you in response to what God has done from you, for you. As we serve, there's not room for laziness in the church. It's just it, laziness opens the door um, it, it, for sin. It hinders our spiritual walk and it hinders the work that needs to be done. And Paul's saying, no, be, don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. This word fervent, it actually means where uh, we get our word boil from. He's saying the, the passion that we have from God should be boiling up within us. It should be literally overflowing in us as we work to serve each other and the Lord. John, who we just saw a testimony from in his last update, he had um, uh, shared a quote that had impacted him in their, in their daily devotions, and, and it was this, Simply serving God was not enough. I longed to possess a heart overflowing with love and praise for my Lord. I think that's this definition of being fervent in spirit, that we're overflowing with love and praise for my Lord, and that fuels our service. So we're motivated by love, we're fueled by passion, but we're also focused on others. Romans 12, uh, 13, uh, 12 and 13, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. These verses tell us a couple of things. That in our service, we ought to be encouragers. We have perspective that so many people need. We have a place to hope. We have a reason to rejoice. We can bring our needs and the needs of uh, the church to God in prayer. 
tells us that that love that's focused on others is sacrificial. It says contribute to the needs of the saints. And we think, sure, that means I'm supposed to give my money. And yes, that is probably what's in view here. But this word contribute also um, is the word that we get uh, for communion and fellowship. And what I think Paul is getting at is that just contributing to the needs of the saints isn't just writing a check. It goes deeper than that. It goes, we should feel for those in needs. We have empathy. We, we feel and share in their struggle. We are present to help in any way we can. Right? Did you catch John where he said, man, it means so much. You came face to face to see us and to bring encouragement. Sure, we could have wrote him a little bit of a bitter, bigger check if we didn't send some people over. But it means something to share in the struggle, to, to encourage them face to face. And he says, we ought to be showing hospitality Hospitality is a theme that's all throughout the Old Testament. The New Testament is, is developed. And, and what we see is it's not just giving somebody a, a warm meal or, or a place to stay. It goes deeper than that because it's an opportunity for us to demonstrate the grace that we have obtained through Christ. So now we get to show that to others. That's what it means to demonstrate, to show hospitality. And so as we think through some next steps related to these concepts of being motivated by love, fueled by passion, and focused by others, it it may be a little more difficult because these are kind of more conceptual. They're more based on our heart attitude. But I'll just have you go through these questions. What motivates your service in the church? And is it love? What excites you about serving in the church? And are you passionate about it? And then lastly, what are you focused on more? What you get out of the church or how you can serve the body? I encourage you to take some personal inventory over the next week as you consider those questions as it relates to the next steps that you might have to take here at the chapel. Two keys of serving in the church. Serve with your spiritual gifting. And then regardless of your spiritual gifting, Serve with the Spirit's guidance. And so just as we, as we get to the end here, our, our family got to experience what this looks like this week. As uh, some of you heard, uh, my wife, who I cleared have, talking about this with this morning, uh, she fell on Wednesday, which is kind of a freak uh, tripping thing, and uh, we didn't know at the time, but she broke her elbow. And um, and so she it was early on Wednesday morning. She comes home and she's obviously hurt her arm, lots of pain. So I said, OK, well, I'll take the kids. She usually goes to Wednesday morning Bible study with the ladies. I said, look, you just stay home and rest. I know our nursery workers. I appreciate our nursery workers. They won't mind at all if I bring the kids in, give her a chance to rest. So I come in and as I bring the three kids in, the ladies in the hallway realize that you're not Stephanie. And so. I'm like, yeah, Stephanie's home. She fell. She's, you know, hurt her arm. Ainsley's telling everybody that she cut her finger. It's bleeding everywhere. So I'm trying. Everyone's concerned about that. No, well, no, she fell. She hurt her arm. And so I'm explaining to them what had happened. And they're like, yeah, drop the kids. And whatever you need, you let us know. I'm like, oh, that's great. Well, I'll keep you updated. So after Bible study's over and nursery time's over, I go pick the kids up and you know, m- many people are asking. They're showing this genuine concern and love for a member of the body. And how Stephanie? I was like, I don't know. I haven't talked to her since I've been here. 
whoops. Uh, and then, and so I pack the kids in the car and I go home. And, and I show up at home and people have already called her, texted her. People here know more about what's happening with my wife than I did. True confession. All right. Um, you know, and, and, and then I hear that, hey, dinner's already coming. Now, someone had already figured out that we're, we're going to need dinner. Um, so we're thankful we had a hot meal on, on uh, that night or the next night. And so I guess it was the next night. It doesn't matter. Anyway, that night we had some people come over. We had our home group come over, and they were serving at the Economy Inn. And, and so they heard about Stephanie and Arm, and, and then it hadn't got any better. It was still in a lot of pain. And so immediately someone's like, hey, we'll watch our kids tomorrow morning. So that way you can go to the doctor. So we're like, great. And, and we're seeing just people following the Spirit's guidance, spiritual gifts being used. And, and we go to the doctor on, on Thursday morning, find out, yeah, sure enough, she, she broke her, uh, she broke her elbow. And, and so after, over the next couple of days, we go to an orthopedic and this and that, a broken elbow. But during this time, we have, um, somebody organizing meals. We already had a hot meal delivered. We had somebody uh, organizing shifts of women to come to our house to hang out with uh, my wife and children so that I can go to work, so I can prepare for this sermon. I, I was uh, looking forward to going to a preaching conference here in, in these next couple of days. And, and there are people going to come clean our house because if, you didn't, if I didn't mention it, we have a four-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and a one-year-old. And so if you have a broken elbow, that means you can't lift the one-year-old, you can't change anybody's diapers, and that's going to be a hard time. Um, and, and so I'm super thankful for the people that are coming over and changing diapers at my house. Um, here's, here's what I'm thinking about and why I share this. It's more than just people meeting a need. This is what it looks like to serve in the church. Um, Man, we saw uh, clearly there were people using their spiritual gifts, right? There, there were people that this is their niche, like this is what they're all about. Yes, I'm going to organize stuff. I've got the gift of administration, and we had people organizing shift the people to come to our house. Yes, we're just encouraging. They're sending texts. They're asking how they can help, right? The spiritual gifts were clear. Uh, but I know there's some people, people that that's not their thing, but they were just following the Spirit's guidance, when they got the phone call from someone at church saying, hey, can you bring a meal? They're like, sure, whatever you need. Even if that wasn't part of their gifting. They're like, sure, whatever you need. That's a person in the body who needs some help, and we're here to answer that call. Uh, we saw the genuine care and concern for a member of our church from the other church people. And I think many of the people in, our, in the room here this morning can attest to, can attest to how well our people love each other. That's the spirit at work in the service of the church. And so not only were the, uh, people doing what they were supposed to be doing in terms of serving our family this week, you know, it was really impactful to have our immediate needs met. Like, we legitimately needed a meal. We legitimately needed someone to come watch our kids. And so it took pressure off. It, it took worry away to have and know that the church family was someone that we could count on. Uh, but there's more at play here. This was an opportunity and is an opportunity for the gospel. People are demonstrating what it looks like to, to love sacrificially. But over the next week or so, our neighbors are going to see a whole bunch of cars coming and going. 
from all these people. I'm hoping that that's going to spark up some gospel conversations. Like, man, this is a gospel demonstration for our kids. As they see the, the church members coming in and out of the house, why would they do that? It's not because of us. It's because of Jesus. Man, it's a time of, it's going to be a time, now we wouldn't, or Stephanie especially, wouldn't plan it this way, but it's going to be a time of connection for Stephanie and some other people at the house. It's going to be a time of connection for our kids with some other people of our church. And we've just been personally so encouraged by the many people that are willing to do whatever needs to be done. Changing diapers and cleaning the house and doing laundry and watching the kids. And this is what it looks like to be a church who is in tune with the Spirit, who are willing to not only use their gifts, but just be led by the Spirit's guidance. And so as we end, one more thought for you. It got me thinking, I just want to challenge you with this thought. We've been so blessed this week, and we've seen how an immediate and urgent need was met. It was clear, it was distinct, and boom, the call was answered. And it's often easy to identify those kind of things, the immediate, the unusual, the urgent needs. But what I want us to think about is is the needs that go unnoticed, uh, the ones that are constant and continual, but they are all around us. Okay, so what I mean by this is the mom that needs help changing diapers because she broke her elbow, right, that's the same mom who's depending on someone to serve in the nursery on Sunday morning during Sunday school or worship so that she can continue to grow in her walk. The person who needs a visit in the hospital is the same person who needs someone to serve by being a home group leader where they can get a continual amount of connection and encouragement. The widow who needs our our prayers and our encouragement and our cards after the loss of her husband is also the same widow who is in need of someone to serve by mowing a lawn or changing a light bulb. The man who needs a meal at the Economy Inn is the same man who needs someone to serve by just encouraging him, putting an arm around his shoulder and giving him the hope of the gospel. The missionary that has a real financial need throughout the year is also the missionary who needs someone to serve them through their gift of encouragement by connecting and praying for them each day. The person who comes to the food pantry and is in real need of food is the same person who needs a community where they can belong without fear of judgment. Do you see how how it's connected? I'm so thankful that we're so good at at serving. But don't forget about the ones that maybe sometimes go unnoticed. You have a place here to serve at the chapel. There are plenty of places to get involved. And what I hope that we understand is that, man, we can continue to demonstrate that each one of us has been placed and equipped in this specific body of the chapel of the lake to serve. And so that when each part when each of us does our part, the body is built up. It grows. It builds itself up in love. There are needs all around us. Let us serve Him and each other with eagerness and with love. Will you pray with me? Dear, we're thankful for Your Word this morning. We're thankful for the many people who serve 
who serve behind the scenes, who are part of those unnoticed or maybe uh, overlooked at times gifts. Lord, I pray you would give them a special amount of encouragement this morning. I pray for those who are looking and seeking for their gifts, what they were, what, what they are, what you would have them do, that you would, um, that you would reveal yourself to them in a new way, that they would not be afraid of jumping in, of, in serving, of, of asking uh, someone here in staff or leadership where they could plug in and where they could serve, that we would become the church that you desire us to be as we grow, connect, and serve. We give all this to you. In your name we pray. Amen.